Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Daniel Amaduri. He is the co-founder of Future Money Trends and their website, futuremoneytrends.com, and is the author of a new provocative book called A Millennial's Guide to Financial Freedom, Don't Save for Retirement. Welcome to the Money as a Show, Dan. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So it's a very provocative title. Uh, We're told this is what you're supposed to do is save for retirement. So let's just start with a basic question. Why do you think people should not save for retirement? You know, I think people shouldn't save for the conventional retirement that we've all been pitched and conditioned to believe. And I'll tell you, the biggest evidence is the baby boomer generation. According to Vanguard, the the median 401k account has about $58,000 for 65 and older. Consider that the baby boomers had the best bond market, best real estate market, best stock market, low interest rates uh, going down since the early 80s. I mean, like they had like the best tee up for this. And it completely failed. Uh, in fact, even the ones who are successful that may have lived like peasants, uh, they're having trouble now. You read about all these stories about even withdrawing from these accounts because they killed the active income. And now they're supposed to like rip chunks out of their body by taking their from their savings that they've been saving for 40 years. So I think the conventional experiment of retirement and how we do it, uh, the evidence is there that it really didn't work out too well for perhaps the generation that if it was going to work, they had the best shot. So why is that? As you say, you had good markets. Why is it that it didn't work? They didn't save enough or they spent too much? What was the reason that they're not better prepared for retirement when they had everything going for them? That's a great question. I think it's a combination of things. Perhaps they did a little too much overspending. They had a lower savings rate than their parents did. But also the vehicles that they put themselves in. We saw the explosion of the mutual in, uh, uh, fund industry and where you have more mutual funds than you have listed companies. And then you saw uh, just a change in how people thought of their retirement and thought of how they would save money. And once that happened, you started to see like we've all seen this, these stories on 60 Minutes where one third of the savings accounts in these 401ks can be eaten up by all these fees. And the, also, there's, there's been studies by Dalbar that show that the average investor doesn't get the average return of the S&P 500. They're not compounding at the average return. They're actually, on some years, the S&P is up 11%, 12%. Studies have shown that they're actually down 2 or 3% uh, because of the, I would assume, the explosion, and this is a, a guess, of, of financial media and our involvement uh, on the roller coaster, the participation that we now have at these levels in the stock market. And of course, people are flipping on CNN. Uh, they have easy access to buy stocks now. It's not like you have to call anybody or anything. You just do it at the click of a mouse or even now using an app. And uh, I think a lot of mistakes were made because of just the way we perceive how the stock market and Wall Street is somehow safe and that Wall Street is there to help you. So you're saying the reason people are not getting the returns that they're seeing is they're buying high and selling low. They're, they're trading too much. Is that the reason? I think it's a combination of buying high, selling low, and perhaps a lot of these vehicles just aren't meant for, meant to work out for them. Maybe the people who are making money in retirement are the are the mutual fund companies that are charging fees, and and the financial advisors and planners who are charging uh, commissions, and perhaps setting up a business for themselves, uh, and that's how they're becoming wealthy but not advising or, or not giving real independent financial advice, simply pushing everybody into 
the financial markets, whether it's diversification in bonds or stocks or whatever, it's all on Wall Street. There's no, there's no real suggestions. You don't really hear uh, financial advisors telling clients outside of wealthy clients, hey, you might want to hold a little bit of physical precious metals. Hey, you might want to buy some single family homes and have some nice rental properties. You might want to invest in private equity for that matter. So are you saying that retirement is a scam or, or is there an alternative that you're referring to here? I would say it's a scam for people who are millennials or Gen Xers who are going to apply the same strategies of the baby boomers and this conventional wisdom. And then they act like, you know, they act like, you know, the stock market's been around for thousands of years or 401ks have been around since Adam and Eve. You know, the 401k, as you know, passed in the legislation passed in the late 70s. It implemented in, in really the, the 80s. And I would say that uh, it, it, the, the, the vehicles to get to retirement are a scam. And somewhat for, for middle class people, especially, they are being pushed into a speculative way to save. They are hoping things go up. They are deferring the lowest ta- income tax since 1931 in exchange to speculate on what the income tax will be in 10 years, 20 or 30 years from now. So I think in, in, it's a scam in the sense that we've convinced people to speculate with their money and, 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 and condition them to hand their money to Wall Street when there, are, when there are other ways, ways that wealthy people have used for hundreds of years uh, that are safe and more conservative ways to diversify and grow your wealth. One of the keys of, of retirement for people is Social Security, but the demographics are kind of turning against that. What is your outlook uh, for the future of Social Security and how should people plan on, on what they're going to get from that? You know, they've already defaulted on Social Security in this sense. Uh, Many of your listeners, and I know you'll be familiar with some of the alternative uh, inflation data, either from John Williams, an economist uh, who runs a company called Shadow Stats, as well as Gallup, who also actually polls for some of this stuff, uh, like the unemployment rate. And when you actually look at not conspiracy inflation, just real inflation, uh, according to one of these studies uh, done by John Williams, seniors are being underpaid by 44% just based on how they changed and tweaked the, how they calculate the inflation adjustment on these checks for Social Security and for seniors. But the, the system is unsustainable anyway. Despite doing all these things to screw seniors and screw people out of their money, it still is on a, an unsustainable path. And I look at Social Security like this. Look, the first person can't think of her name. God bless her soul. Ida Miller, I want to say, but she put like 28 bucks in the system and then proceeded to pull out tens of thousands of dollars after that. And of course it worked for her. Of course it worked for this first generation, but it was originally a temporary program. It was a safety net. It's no longer that people have turned it into a retirement. This entire age of 65, you know, I looked into it like, where did this age of 65 come from? And, you know, one of the things I I came across were, you know, in Germany, they had the retirement age at 70 for pensioners, for government pensions. And then a politician wanted to win and he was like, I'll lower it to 65. And that's where we're we're left at. Here we are with life expectancies. You know, we're going into our 80s now and we've still got this number at 65 that nobody even really knows where it came from. Yeah. Just without getting too technical, just to go a little bit further into that inflation adjustment. I mean, they get go on the CPI or there's something called the chain weighted CPI. What is it that they've done that's cheated people by 44% on Social Security? 
You know, there, there's a lot of things like for technology, for example, or, or I'll, I'll give you meat um, with, with hedonics. What they do is let's say you're buying steak and that's what they're adjusting. That's what they're looking at year to year. What is a, what is a ribeye cost? Well, if the ribeye goes up too much, the government will just simply swap it in for perhaps a sirloin. And if a sirloin is too expensive, perhaps hamburger meat or hot dogs. So they actually swap things out. You're actually not getting an apples to apples comparison on the inflation numbers. And now they've done so many different things to manipulate the number um, and do value adds. So perhaps you're paying less for uh, a TV, but the technology is even better than last year's model. So on that, they'll actually flip it where it works to the government's benefit. So they'll, they'll actually add some, some fake inflation on that uh, for uh, the GDP. So the government has manipulated these numbers, which has given rise to other independent companies that people are looking for. Like, you know, the reason Shadow Stats was started, by the way, was because airline companies were trying to figure out their real inflation costs on fuel. And they needed to start hiring private companies because they realized after the changes in the 80s and then later with the Boston Commission, the the inflation numbers that they were using from the government were, were, were not were not helpful to the business. Just amazing, really. So, but despite that, what is going to happen to Social Security? I mean, when the baby boom, which is what, 70-something million, is fully retired, are people going to get their full benefits or the taxes going to go up or the benefits going to go down? What is going to happen to Social Security? It's a great point because I think taxes will go up, which could be an argument against 401ks or IRAs who aren't receiving matching funds. Uh, because now you're speculating and you're probably going to have a higher interest rate. That's a big question on what's going to happen to Social Security. I can say the state doesn't look good when you consider that if you take all of our tax revenue in the United States, uh, it basically pays for Social Security and our entitlement programs and the interest on the debt. Everything else, everything else is deficit spending. So what will happen to Social Security? I imagine there has to be some sort of uh, solution during a crisis. And I think the easiest one is to raise the age. You could probably punt, punt and kick the can down the road another 30, 40 years if you, if you bring that wage up, or excuse me, bring that age up, uh, and, and perhaps even do means-tested stuff. Now, nothing's going to happen until there's a crisis. That's just the way our government works. I'm sorry. Yeah. Tell people a little bit about Future Money Trends and what they can find there and how they can find more about the book. You know, uh, so futuremoneytrends.com, and, and for your readers specifically, if they go to futuremoneytrends.com slash save, they will be able to read the introductory as well as the first chapter of the book for free. And it includes my weekly wealth digest free, which is simply my wife and I sharing the things that we did to become financially independent and the things we're actively involved in. We're very focused on passive income. We also love venture capitalism. So we do like to have a little fun in our portfolios, but we're sharing the things exactly what we're doing. Oftentimes we'll do screenshots and sometimes I'll experiment with different things. There's so many different crowdfunded investments coming out every week. And sometimes I'll throw, you know, a few thousand dollars just to experiment and let the audience actually experience the experiment with us. What has been the best call you've made so far at Future Money Trends? Uh, I mean, look, it's going to be Bitcoin at $13. I probably was one of the first letters to profile it. I, I profiled it kicking and screaming, though. It was really my video team and my staff that was much more tech savvy than me. They were telling me about it at a dollar. And then at $8, they, they almost convinced me. And I think we started writing it up at 9 And by the time it hit, it got published, it was 13 bucks. And then, of course, at $50, i am like, this is a bubble. Uh, so, I mean, Bitcoin's my best call. But, uh, you know, I, I can't take full credit for it. That's for sure. <laughs> Indeed. All right, we're going to talk more about that uh, in the next segment. Uh, in the meantime, uh, my guest this hour is Daniel Amaduri. 
Uh, he is the author of this new book called A Millennial's Guide to Financial Freedom, Don't Save for Retirement. You can find out more at his website, futuremoneytrends.com. And if you do slash save, you can see more about the book and get the first chapter of the book for free. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back after this. If you're using one of the big wireless providers in 2019, have you asked yourself what you're actually paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because you know, they know, you'll pay. Enter Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead, and passes those savings directly on to you. I got Mint Mobile on my phone, and it provided a very clear signal wherever I go, and it saved me about $150 a month over what I was paying before. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. With Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data you'll never use. Choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch your old wireless plan and start savings with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash moneyanswers. That's mintmobile.com slash moneyanswers. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash moneyanswers. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Daniel Amaduri. He's the author of the new book, A Millennial's Guide to Financial Freedom, Don't Save for Retirement. And you can find out more about him and the book at futuremoneytrends.com. Welcome back to the show, Daniel. Thank you. So let's talk more about Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency space now. So you recommended it when it was 13. It then eventually went up to about 20,000. Then it plummeted down to about 3,000. Now it's about, whatever, eleven or 12,000. Are you still bullish on it? And if so, how should people play Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? You know, I tr- I've always treated it as a speculative idea that I think people, it's worth owning. Because I'll tell you, I went to a conference in 2011 
And I'll never forget it. That's what really pushed me over the edge. And I was surrounded by a bunch of very smart people, entrepreneurs, libertarian-minded people, and none of them were there to make a penny. I was like, man, that room, it was like only like 300 of them at the time. Now there's like 10,000 people showing up. Like 300 people. And I was like, I felt like I met like the next Steve Jobs or Bill Gates. I was like, these people were passionate. They were out doing all these things for free on their own dime to build this infrastructure for the blockchain and for Bitcoin. So I like having exposure to it just because there's those type of people that are part of it. I like a little little diversification in it. You know, so I own the top ones. I wouldn't recommend you know, getting into the altcoin space, that's literally worse than like the worst days of the penny stock market. So I'd stick like with the big names. Uh, but I like exposure to Bitcoin. And I've always wanted and dreamed of having exposure to these publicly traded companies. There were none. And then um, there have been a ton that came out since 2017. Uh, most of them, you know, same thing, though, very, very speculative. So I would consider a, everyone having a position, but I would keep it down to like one, two percent of your overall portfolio. And what uh, way would you use it? Would you use Coinbase or Gemini or what way do you go into to buying these uh, cryptocurrencies? So I think Gemini is a, a great company to use. Uh, you know, there are also instructions on how to how to get this these things off, uh, you know, the exchange. That way you can physically store it or cold storage in your, in your own safe. Um, and then, you know, Coinbase, it's, a, it's been a, a great way for people to use it. Robinhood is now offering people uh, the ability to buy Bitcoin. But yeah, I would own I would own a small amount of Bitcoin you know, ideally on a simple exchange, that way you can trade out of it in case it becomes, you know, like goes parabolic. And then maybe consider some, a small exposure to maybe some, maybe one or two, three of these publicly traded companies. But again, I keep it very small right now. If it does what these guys think it's going to do, look, it's like owning a dot-com stock in 1988. You're going to make a fortune. Uh, but if, if, it, if it doesn't pan out or, you know, you could become like me. Look, I had a bunch of Bitcoin on, a, on an exchange called BTC-E and the U.S. government shut down that exchange. I went to the prosecutor of the DOJ in, in 2017 in Miami at a conference and said, hey, I'm a victim. You guys stole my Bitcoin. Can I get it back? And she just smiled and said, never. No one's ever getting their crypto off that exchange. I was like, but we didn't do anything wrong. All we were doing was storing our, our crypto there. So I would just, you know, be mindful and, and make sure you have it, you know, in different spots. This is literally the Wild West here for uh, when it comes so to blockchain. What are some of the public companies that, that you would use to play Bitcoin indirectly? You know, I like two names. Uh, one of them I, I helped launch and it's Hive Blockchain. And what got me to invest into it was Frank Holmes. If anybody listening to this knows Frank Holmes, they're probably thinking, you mean the gold guy? Yeah, the gold guy. So Frank Holmes of U.S. Global Investors, I highly respect him. He's, he's such a good man. And I saw that when they launched the company, he was writing his own $5 million check. And I was like, okay. So that got me to look at it. It's a very simple model, too. They're mining cryptocurrency, mainly Ethereum. And so they've had, they have they went from $0.30 cents all the way to six seventy five Canadian. And then they crashed all the way back down to $0.30. Cents. So, I mean, you know, the company, it's still run by Frank Holmes. It still has a great partner in, in the largest iCloud mining company, Genesis. So just based on the people and all these penny stocks, by the way, they're always people plays. Uh, yeah. the and what is the symbol for that one? If people want to look into that more? Uh, I don't know the U.S. symbol, but the Canadian symbol is Hive. If they just go to Hive blockchain. And the other one, just quickly, you know, I like I ICOX. It's I I ICOX uh, Innovations. And all it is is a company that helps build blockchains. They just actually did one for the Catholic Church. So you know, obviously Facebook and, and JP Morgan, they're going to have their own in-house teams to build the blockchain for them. But 
uh, this company, ICUX, what they plan to do, and they built, they're going to build it for everybody who doesn't have that tech team on staff and, you know, $100 million to build one for themselves. So that's what they do. They, they charge companies to build a blockchain uh, to integrate into their own current system. What do you think of the Libra uh, possibility from Facebook and all the other financial companies, MasterCard and Visa and PayPal and someone that have jumped on with that? Do you think that's going to be a success? I, I, I don't know if it's going to be a success, but I think it was very smart of them to do it. Uh, I mean, look, we could, I'm sure later we'll touch on what's going on with all these currencies around the world. And, and the way Facebook did it where they backed it by the dollar, but they could just as easily back it with anything else or switch it to another fiat currency. Meanwhile, they have all the user. They have all the users. They have all their data. They have their trends. I mean, I think it was a brilliant move for Facebook. The crypto people probably hate it, but in, in a way it does vindicate the entire sector. So it's a double-edged sword, I guess. But it's not going to be a trading vehicle. It's going to be a, a method of exchange vehicle. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, now it's literally, it's this, it's actually what ICOX is doing for uh, the Catholic church. I mean, it's simply uh, an exchange for customers. You have, you have your customers data. It's a way for Facebook to further track and know every little ounce about you. So in that way, you know, a lot of privacy people might not like it, but I think certainly it shows the, the vindication of the blockchain that even JP Morgan, you know, they're heavily invested in and involved in it now. Yeah. Now, the other uh, uh, safe haven, I guess you might say, Bitcoin's kind of become a safe haven, uh, is gold. And gold's had a big move lately. Why has gold had such a big move at a time when interest rates have been plummeting? You normally think of gold doing well when inflation and interest rates are rising. You know, gold gold is a, a rough one. You know, I've, I've seen data for and against that it's a hedge against inflation or deflation. You know, in the end, um, you know, you've got central banks buying gold. Uh, at, a, at a faster clip than they were last year, I think about 43% year over year. Uh, and you have, you know, all this uncertainty with the fiat currencies themselves, with the U.S. dollar, uh, with, uh, you know, different currency wars on who can get their currency down the drain fastest. So I think that's definitely a reason for gold to go up. I talked to uh, the, the, the resource group that probably does more investing on the TSX venture than anybody. And they said the retail investors really are not active in this move. And then I called up one of the largest bullion dealers who's been around since 1993. And I actually just hung up with him before this call. And he said, look, we were getting about 200 orders a day in 2016. We're getting 20 orders a day right now, but we're going to sell more gold than ever. We're going to have a record breaking month, but that's interesting. Same thing as the, as the guys selling stocks. The retail investor, non-existent from this move in gold. It's the bigger institutional, larger money that's buying gold right now. The retail guy, the smaller investor, he's, for the most part, has not touched it yet. So how would you play gold? Would you buy physical gold? Would you do a GLD and SLV? Would you do gold mining companies? What's the best way to play gold if you think it's going to go much higher? If you think, if you think gold's going to go up, I mean, the safest recommendation is to buy gold. Now, the problem is if gold doubles, which would be epic, could you imagine gold at 3000 and what it would take? Hopefully we don't get there. I do have three children, so I prefer to have a little smoothness in the economy than gold at 3000 But let's be real. That's not going to change your life. If you put $10,000 in gold, it, you know, it doubles. Okay, so you got twenty grand. Great. You probably had one of the best calls in history, and you doubled your money. Not, not that life-changing. So if you really want to speculate and, and try to profit from gold, you have to buy the mining shares. Now, the producers are easy. You know, if their cost was $1,000 last month and, now and their profit was $250 an ounce, well, now their profit's $500 an ounce. They just doubled their, their profit and the expenses haven't gone up at all. 
So I would start with the producers. If you really want to get speculative, you start getting in the junior space and we do cover stuff like that, but you really have to, you're really betting on people. Uh, do not, do not fall in love with any of these stories. These stocks all fight gravity because they don't have, they don't actually make money, the junior companies, even the mid tiers. So you're really, it's, it's a hope trade on, on it's, on it being taken out one day. So they do fight constant gravity of them going down. Uh, so you got to be very careful, but look, if you just want to have a simple life buy physical gold, if you think it's going to go up, it's, it's great for protection, great for diversification. And if it goes up, you'll make money. But look, uh, if you want to really try to profit from gold, you're going to have to go into the mining shares. So what would be one of your favorite big cap mining shares and one of your juniors? You know, I think Franco Nevada is probably one of the safest. It's it's cash flowing machine and I love cash flow. Uh, and uh, Sandstorm, actually, same thing, royalty company, cash gushing machine. I think it's I think it's undervalued here. As far as the juniors, I would just, you know, I'd, I'd be very, you know, I don't want to make a, a, a recommendation on air like that just because, you know, look, these juniors, they, if they have $25,000 come in, uh, it can move the stock up quite dramatically. Or if $25,000 leaves, because maybe some guy's getting a divorce and has to sell a stock, the thing go down 50%. So I think with juniors, uh, if you're interested in that, I would recommend either buying uh, the index, uh, one of the ones by Sprott or, or US Global or even the GDXJ. Um, and then I would, I would look at some people. I'll give you the people to research. Look at Keith Newmeyer. Uh, he's the CEO and founder of First Majestic Silver, probably one of the best performing companies in, in, in all the precious metals. Uh, I would look at people like Amir Nani. Uh, look at those names and what they're investing in or Ross Beattie if you're going to buy a junior company. How about silver? Do you think silver is because silver's had a pretty big move as well? Yeah, silver is a, gr- a great investment, actually. So, so gold, I kind of put in more of like the diversification and insurance uh, category. Silver actually is a legit investment, in my opinion, because it is not only a precious metals and will benefit from gold, but it's also being consumed at a faster clip than we mine it. We've had a mining deficit for four years or consecutive years where they're essentially, they're mining about 850 million ounces and ballparking it here and there. We're consuming about a billion ounces. Uh, now, a lot of that's made up from uh, recycled silver and uh, other sources, but for the most part, there is a, a supply and demand uh, deficit. So I like silver for the long term. And what most people don't know is there, silver mines are very rare. Uh, you're talking about less than probably 10 on, on the planet. Most of them are gold mines or zinc mines, and silver is the derivative that comes from that. So it's not easy just to turn on and, and have a lot of silver mines come out. Uh, even if silver went to 30, 40 bucks, it's really actually going to take copper and zinc to rise before a lot of uh, silver comes out of the market. And you talked about first majestic silver, but there are any other ways you would play silver? Physical silver, of course, great way. If, you're, if, you're, if you really want to speculate, you can get into calls. I highly uh, would not recommend that for anyone who doesn't know what I just was talking about. Um, but, you know, First Majestic Silver, it's actually uh, one of the most safest picks in, that I can think of in the mining world uh, that gets the, the, the returns of something that had a lot of risk. So, I mean, just to give an example, it's had a 50, 60 percent move here since May 31st. Uh, and First Majestic Silver, it's the, it's the purest silver producer on the, in, on the planet. It gets about 70 percent of its revenues from silver. Think of a company that everybody would go to, like Pan American Silver, less than 50% of their revenues come from silver, but they are seen as the top silver company. Yeah, very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Daniel Amaduri. 
He's the co-founder of Future Money Trends. Uh, you can see more about him at his website, futuremoneytrends.com. He's also the author of a new book called A Millennial's Guide to Financial Freedom, Don't Save for Your Retirement. We'll be back after this. If you're still using one of the big wireless providers in 2019, have you asked yourself what you're paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because they know you'll pay. Enter Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile saves you on retail locations and overhead, then passes those savings directly on to you. I got Mint Mobile on my phone and provided a very clear signal wherever I go, and it has saved me about $150 a month over what I was paying before. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. With Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data you'll never use. Choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash moneyanswers. That's mintmobile.com slash moneyanswers. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash moneyanswers. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Daniel Amaduri. 
He's the author of a new book called the Millenn- A Millennial's Guide to Financial Freedom, Don't Save for Retirement. And he's also the co-founder at Future Money Trends, which you can find out more at futuremoneytrends.com. Welcome back to the show, Daniel. Thanks so much for having me. A key part of this book and a key part of the way you live your life is passive income. Maybe just briefly describe what passive income is, and then we can give you some examples. You know, it's a beautiful thing. I go to the mailbox every week, and I expect a check to be in there. I check my checking account uh, probably daily, and I expect to see some ACHs in there. Passive income is making those investments or starting those type of businesses that can pay you after you've either done the work or written the check. It's, uh, It's very simple. You're simply putting those George Washingtons and Ben Franklins to work. So let's talk about some of the ways you talk about in the book. The first one is what you call crowdfunding. So it's been around for a while. Lending Club is the first one. But what are some, just, just tell us how crowdfunding works, and then we'll get into some examples. You know, one of my favorites is uh, started by Brett Crosby. Of uh, he, he was the, the creator of Google Analytics, and he started a company called Pure Street. And what caught my attention was Michael Berry, uh, the guy Christian Bale played in the big short was one of the original investor to, investors into this. And all it is, is they're loaning money, let's say $400,000 on a single family home at a 70% loan to value. Um, so, you know, if the house was, uh, you know, $100,000 just for listeners, that they're, they, they've only got 70,000 in it as, as the lender. And instead of a, an institution or a bank doing it or, or, or a hard money lender, um, it's crowdfunded. So you might only have $25 in that loan. Uh, invest it. You might have only lent a uh, hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, but it's backed and tied to an asset. And it's basically the same way the banks have been making money for thousands of years, insurance companies. And, but it's, it's a way you can diversify and, and have a ticket to the party, uh, even if you have very little funds. And what happens if the person defaults on the mortgage? Obviously in 2008, 2009, defaults soared dramatically. Yeah. So if somebody, if, uh, forecloses, Pure Street goes through the foreclosure process uh, and they, you know, do that on your behalf. You don't have to worry about anything like that or accounting or anything legal. They'll handle the whole thing. And then once they do that, the proceeds go to the original investors who held the note. Now, I will tell you, they have very low default rates. They did stress test these things, each area they're in, worse than the 2008 crisis. But on a side note, uh, I, I picked this up from when I spoke to Brett, the founder of the company. What's happened is is the the, mar- the niche mortgage market they're in used to have perhaps uh, a handful of players, but Pier Street has become so important that oftentimes if there is a default, the company that originated the loan may buy and make it right. They may buy the note from Pier Street because they want to have a perfect credit rating with Pier Street because Pier Street has become a, a pretty big force in this niche mortgage, secondary mortgage market. So what kind of yield can you get investing with Pier Street today, just roughly? You know, it's about 7% for myself. Now, you, you can choose, you can dial it between 5% and all the way up to 11 12%, depending on your, the risk level you want to take. But I have mine very low. I actually have my settings at 65% LTV. So I like have 35% equity in whatever they're doing. By the way, they, they do three different ways to verify the price of the properties. So they're not just, you know, using Zillow or something. So... Uh, I'm I'm more conservative, so I'm getting about a seven percent return. And then Lending Club is another one. Explain how peer-to-peer lending works. You know, uh, just like Peer Street. So let's say somebody wants to borrow money for 
to, to clean up their credit cards or they want to borrow money to start a business or buy a car, whatever it is, they need a personal loan. And same thing, they'll put it out there for $10,000. Lending Club does the legwork. They do the credit report. They do the income verification. Average person borrowing makes about $70,000 and has a credit rating of, I believe, over six eighty. Uh, I could be wrong. It's on the front page of their website, though, for anybody who wants to know. And same thing, you might have $25 invested into a personal loan of $10,000. This gives you huge diversification. And this is simply uh, how banks make money. This is what Chase is doing when it comes to credit cards or personal loans. And this is a way for the average guy to get involved into something that, that the hedge funds and institutions and banks have been doing for a very long time. Then you talk about real estate investment trusts. Now, people are probably familiar with public, publicly traded ones, but you also talk about private REITs. What, what is the advantage of a private REIT over a publicly traded one? I think the, the advantage is mostly psychological, probably for the investor. There's the volatility, obviously, because the, the advantage of the publicly traded REIT is it's liquid. It's, it's as liquid as the click of a mouse. Uh, however, you could be overpaying at any, at any given moment uh, with, with a publicly traded REIT very easily. Uh, and with a private REIT, uh, it's much more simple. You can look at their assets uh, you can minus their liabilities. You can know what the company is worth. They actually have third-party independent companies uh, value these companies, usually on a quarterly basis. Um, and then you can make the decision whether you want to invest in or not and whether the yield is, is, is what you're looking for, what you're desiring. And, you know, with a company like Fundrise, I'm getting on average about 10%. I think last quarter was nine, but on an annualized basis last year for 2018, I actually got about 11% yield. And, you know, this is, it's just like buying a stock. You, you, have, you have a share certificate and a private REIT and the private REIT owns uh, investments in perhaps a JW Marriott or a Walgreens or a Chevron. They might be investing in debt or they might have equity stake or they might have a 27 unit apartment building that they're rehabbing and, and doing a value add on it. So it's simply partnering with real estate. And I love owning hard assets that cash flow. And with the crowdfunding and the REITs, I think you're also able to upgrade yourself. Let's be real. Most of us, if we buy a single family house, we're renting a C or B minus type property, rental property, lock goes into it. If the tenant leaves for three months or causes problems, it's devastating to the cash flow. And here I can participate in, in companies that are buying uh, some of the best properties on the planet sometimes. I mean, I know one we invested in uh, was heavily involved in uh, the San Antonio JW Marriott, which is a beautiful property. It happens to be one of the favorite spots I've gone to in the past. And I was like, how cool is that? Being able to, I've really upgraded my portfolio of cash flow by partnering with some of these groups. In addition to Fundrise, what are some of the other private re- places you go to? You know, one of them that I like, uh, Realty Mogul, they've been around a little bit longer uh, than Fundrise. Um, you know, I, I, it's funny. There's, there's, an, there's one actually out here in California that pays 7%. It's called Rich Uncles. It's actually a really good group, really seasoned group, but I've called them and, and told them many times. I'm like, look, your name, you've got to change that name. It sounds like a scam. It sounds so, so it's horrible. You can barely recommend it, but it's actually run by some very serious people and serious investors. And then how about buying physical real estate yourself, buying homes and renting them out? Is that appropriate for a lot of people to do? I think everybody should 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 consider it. Uh, you know, look, it's it, it's not an ideal time to just blindly buy real estate right now because all these areas have been up. So if you're willing to do the legwork and and find a discounted property or find an opening an opportunity, uh, you know, I got lucky in Texas. My home 
had a foundation problem. And then I discovered that it was actually quite easy and cheap to fix a foundation, which who would have thought? So then I just started buying nothing but foundation problems because they scared off all the other investors. But I knew the secret that it was not that big of a deal. So I, I think if you're willing to do the legwork and become a real estate investor, then invest in real estate. But if you're not willing to do the work, don't get involved. You're probably going to lose money. Uh, the tax deductions, all these things they sell you on. Look, bottom line, are you going to be making money? And if you don't have cash flow, you don't buy it. And how about on Wall Street? We've been talking about off Wall Street. What areas of the stock market would you like for consistent cash flow? You know, I, I love safe dividend paying stocks. I love companies that I call forever stocks. You know, I'm not, I'm not a stock picker. So I like to partner with companies that I know are going to be around doing business for my great grandchildren. Uh, companies like Disney, companies like Costco. Uh, I like, you know, Anley Capital, these, these companies that just have great business models and they're making money and they're cash gush cash gushing companies and they haven't lost sight of what the original purpose of a publicly traded company was. It's to uh, have more liquidity, have more investors, but ultimately share profits with your shareholders. So look, there's a place in every portfolio to speculate, but for whatever reason along the journey, especially with this retirement uh, planning, people became full-time speculators. They only speculate. The only way they make money is if something goes up. So I like to focus on things where I'm guaranteed to make money because they're going to share in profit. So interest rates have been falling sharply lately. How would falling interest rates affect those kind of dividend-paying stocks? I think it makes them more attractive in a way. I mean, look, you've, you've got great companies like AT&T paying 5%. Anley Capital's paying 11 on on mortgage spreads. They'll make even more money because even though the mortgage rates will go down a bit, they won't go down nearly as much as uh, what the banks will actually pay with the Fed funds being cut. So I think you've got opportunities to to have great dividends from world-class companies. And, you know, I don't care what happens, a crash or trade war, currency reset, Companies like Disney are not going away. Companies like Kimberly Clark that provides, you know, toilet paper for most of the world, that's not going away. So you want to own great companies at ideally good valuations. You know, Disney was a great buy at 100. It's not the best buy right now at 140. But, you know, wait for those times when you see those nice dips and, and lock in those dividends. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Daniel Amaduri. He's the co-founder of Future Money Trends, which you can find out about at futuremoneytrends.com. He's also author of the new book, A Millennial's Guide to Financial Freedom, Don't Save for Retirement. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. 
There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Daniel Amaduri, co-founder of Future Money Trends, author of the new book, A Millennial's Guide to Financial Freedom, Don't Save for Retirement. Welcome back to the show, Daniel. Thank you, Jordan. So in addition to passive income, one of your themes in the books is to cut expenses dramatically um, and create a budget. So let's go through some of the ways that you recommend that people can cut their expenses. Uh, the first one is in the mortgage area. And if your rent and mortgage is too high, what do you think people should do? You know, honestly, that is one of the best expenses you can cut, and that is the, your housing. Uh, you know, you can move. Uh, now, if you're, let's say, your Los Angeles police officer you live in LA, you could move to the suburbs or maybe move another 20 minutes out or maybe rent or downsize. A lot of us have become accustomed to living in 3,000 square foot homes. I mean, do we really need that much? And I'm, I'm specifically talking to people who are like, you know what? I want to be financially independent. I want to do this. And you're willing to make a short-term sacrifice. I'm not talking about living a minimalist lifestyle or some, you know, this frugal movement where it's fine. It's great. But I'm not talking about permanent lifestyle here. I'm talking about short-term cutting, deep cutting, in order to be able to buy some income and, and, and really put yourself on a path to becoming financially free. For my wife and I, I'll give you a perfect example. We moved from the foothills of California uh, near Pasadena to the desert of California. We went from being around our friends who all had $500,000 homes to buying a house for $95,000. Everybody thought we were poor, but we were on a mission. And Later, we got out of that and we moved and we bought a house that was equal to our one year of income in Texas. It was a beautiful home, but anybody else with our income, they would have purchased a much more expensive home, one seven, 10 times more than their annual income or a car that was a uh, you know, uh, seven year auto loan or one equal to your annual pay. Look, I, I, when I became a net worth millionaire, forget about financial independence, it was actually building some real wealth here. I was still driving a 2003 Nissan Altima. Now, I will tell you, my life does not reflect any of that anymore. I live a very good life in a very, you know, you know, we, we do everything first class. But it took those, those, those beautiful years of, of when we were had to deep cut and do sacrifices and get it done, it was worth it. I mean, I'm telling you, if you're switching your checking account and cutting back on coffees, that is not going to do it. You need, you need to cut down to the marrow. So some other areas you said to cut is in uh, cable TV or direct TV or Netflix. How do you uh, save money on that? Yeah, I mean, that's easy. Uh, you know, back back when we cut direct TV, that was your access to TV. But you can't do that anymore. Um, uh, you know, you, or excuse me, you can do that easily now. That's, you know, imagine, imagine how many people share Netflix or share um, their Amazon accounts or even share direct TV today. So it's much easier than in the past. To do that. So, I mean, for people who want to save money, there are all sorts of ways. I mean, look, I even squatted in house for a year. I wouldn't recommend that. But I mean, there are ways to save money 
uh, that people aren't thinking. My wife and I practically we went vegetarian, stopped buying meat. We uh, got rid of our pets. I mean, we did things that just people don't do. But again, short-term sacrifice uh, with the initial objective was just to be able to get my wife to be able to quit her job so she could be with our son full-time. That was it. It was a simple goal and it turned into something much better, which by the way, um, you know, in the introductory of this book of Don't Save for Retirement, literally starts with us in a bankruptcy attorney's office. So for sure, anybody listening to this, I don't care what financial state you're in, uh, this this is accomplishable. This is doable. That's the most exciting part about it. You say people do not think of the costs associated with their jobs. What are some ways that people can save money associated to their to getting to their jobs and so on? You know, I'll tell you, for me, I I just got rid of my car in May and I'm actually, I had a very nice luxury car and I'm I'm now Uber only. So there's all sorts of ways to save money. Uh, And specifically in in, in your job, I think people don't consider the opportunity of the costs of, let's say, driving. So you may say I make 50,000 a year or 75,000 a year, but if you consider the free hours you donate to your company when you're driving to work or when you're thinking about it or, or answering emails, uh, the opportunity costs of of being somewhere for eight hours a day. So, you know, in the book we talk about how to monetize your job, uh, to make it your first client, how to how to how to actually get out of a job uh, if 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 it's not something you want to do and actually become self employed. Um, so that's really what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the the actual cost of employment. Of it's it's a it's a huge consumer of your time. How about eating out at restaurants? You know, in the beginning, my wife and I were able to save a ton of money uh, from eating out of restaurants and buying. We actually stopped even going to the main, the, the, the main grocery stores that, you know, traditionally people would go to. And we started going to discounted grocery stores. Or in California, there's, there's some of these great local farmers markets. So we were able to save money by not eating out. And, and honestly, it was actually quite healthy. We actually both lost weight when we started eating at home. And of course, you learn all kinds of recipes and uh, it was actually a great time. Again, something actually we don't do anymore. I mean, you're more likely to have uh, somebody from Grubhub bring food to us tonight than uh, us make our food. Yeah. Very all right. So you've got a lot of ideas on cutting expenses, passive income. I just want to go a little bit broader on the economy now. So we've got this worldwide situation where interest rates have been falling very sharply. Gold and Bitcoin have been going up. We've got all kinds of political things about to happen. Brexit is going to happen at the end of October. Uh, with Britain, you've got all kinds of threats to oil with Iran and the Strait of Hormuz. Uh, China is threatening to attack or <laughs> take over Hong Kong. What, what is your overall view of the direction of the world economy with all these threats out there? My, my overall, well, first of all, I, I, I mean, I just got back from Hiroshima and it's prospering and it looks amazing. It looks a lot better than other cities. And it was a great reminder that no matter how bad things could get or will get, humanity moves on. Humanity keeps going forward. And I just, you know, I love the optimism of people and what we can do and the entrepreneurs of today and what's been happening in our world, you know, especially for millennials. There's so many opportunities for people that, you know, they kind of focus on the doom and gloom. You know what? This will be the biggest uh forecasted recession and stock market crash in history if it actually happens. Can you imagine? Everyone in the media is hyped up and cheerleading for a recession and a stock market crash. So I'll tell you right now, I really don't think we're going to have a recession in 2019. I definitely don't think we're going to have a stock market crash. 
And I'm basing that entirely that I've never seen a media so giddy about this happening. And we all know why, but it doesn't matter. You don't have stock market crashes or recessions when every single outlet in the media is telling you that's about to happen. So I'll tell you, you know, you look at this inverted yield curve. Did anyone in the media ever, I don't think anyone mentions the media, consider that the other central banks are, are getting a, a negative yield. So it doesn't surprise me that there's more demand for dollars. And if the world is falling apart, I, I, you know, let's look at Hong Kong, for example. Let's say Hong Kong implodes. How many billions and billions of dollars are going to flood into the United States, flood into California real estate, flood into the U.S. stock market? Because when given the choice, do you want to have chaos that's going on in emerging markets or do you want to preserve your wealth in um, the United States? I think for us in the United States, we're like, no, it's crazy here. We're, you know, we've all gone insane. But I'm telling you, you go, you start traveling, going to other parts of the world, you'll see just how stable and efficient the United States is. So the falling interest rates, most people see as a negative sign of economic slowdown or recession. You're saying in a certain way, it's a positive sign because people want to put their money into U.S. and push the U.S. dollar up and the interest rates down. Yeah, I think for the most part, all these concerns, I, it's there. I mean, it's, look, we're in an unsustainable situation with our government deficit spending, with our entitlement promises. It, it, the entire monetary system is unsustainable and well overdue for some sort of major reset. And maybe that was in 2008, we were supposed to have it. But unfortunately, with intervention in central banks, it's been deferred. So we're, we're, I, I think a reset will happen over the next decade. I just don't think it's going to happen in the next six months like the media is pushing it. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you just kind of sum up all of what we've talked about the last hour. What is your basic message to people in, in the environment we're in today? I would say opt out of these things that are not working for people. Uh, really focus, really take a step back and ask yourself, are you happy? Are you doing with what you want with your time? And is your money working for you? I mean, honestly, really consider this. Is Are you hoping for something in 30 or 40 years? Or are you being paid? Are the fruits of your labor providing you uh, with income, multiple sources of income? So really, please check out the book, Don't Save for, for Retirement. You can read the first chapter at futuremoneytrends.com slash save. And I promise you, it's, it's, a, it's a change in mindset when you go from being a speculative 401k investor to a wealthy income investor. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Daniel Amaduri. He's the co-founder of Future Money Trends, their website, futuremoneytrends.com. And the book he was talking about is A Millennial's Guide to Financial Freedom, Don't Save for Retirement. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, Daniel. Thank you, Jordan. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.